In response to the murder of George Floyd at the hands of a police officer, donations flooded into the Minnesota Freedom Fund. On their website, they encouraged folks to give to a few other local organizations working to de-police and improve their community. That brought us to Reclaim the Block. Reclaim the Block organizes Minneapolis community and city council members to move money from the police department into other areas of the city's budget that truly promote community health and safety. They believe health, safety, and resiliency exist without police of any kind and organize around policies that strengthen community-led safety initiatives and reduce reliance on police departments. Reclaim the Block is community-led and stands for building a strong community where Black, Indigenous, people of color, immigrants, and LGBTQ folks can fearlessly thrive. Go visit reclaimtheblock.org and donate. Hey there, and welcome to Yes, a Stripper podcast. On this podcast, we'll discuss how classifying each other as people and workers is dangerous to society and marginalized groups of people. We'll also talk about the climate in and outside of the strip clubs and all of the amazing things that strippers do. And of course, we'll talk about all of the things in between. I'm your queen, A.M. Davies, and this is Yes, a Stripper Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Yes, a Stripper Podcast. We're still quarantined. I am in my bedroom. It's pretty sexy in here, though, I'm not going to lie. So there's no better place in my house to be with me than my bedroom. Um, Today, I want to talk about solidarity. I've noticed that during this time that people have been coming together more and more and really supporting each other and supporting causes that they care about and supporting people and, and different classes of people that they care about or that they're being like introduced to. And, um, you know, it's been really beautiful. Uh, we've been working for strippers and trying to raise money for them. Um, but you know, what I wanted to really mention about solidarity is that, um, I'd like to see solidarity happening in all eras of life and not just during coronavirus. Will you remain in solidarity when this is over and life goes back to normal? Were you in solidarity with these people before all of this happened? If you weren't, that's okay if you just if you became woke to the idea of connecting with people. But I'd like to make sure and almost challenge you to remain connected and to remain connected with issues that you see happening because it's more and more apparent right now about how much drama sex workers were going through as far as discrimination via the government specifically. Um, but we've been having issues for a hell of a long time. And a lot of people weren't paying attention. So now that you can see it more clearly, I'm going to ask you, will you remain in solidarity with us when this is over? Because our plight is not over. And this is a lifetime long work thing <laughs> that we have to do. And um, our next guest on the show with us today is Rebecca, a.k.a. Cats and Crows. And she is super solidarity stripper sex worker person. Rebecca, can you please say hello to everybody? Uh, hi, everyone. How's it going? Hi. Um, yeah, you know, I just really had to get that thought out because ever since I've discovered you on Instagram, mm-hmm. like, it's like, 
all I see coming from you besides like obvious sex stuff, which is like, like, it just oozes out of me. It just oozes out of you. (laughs) Your tenacity for being a voice for people who need to be heard. Yeah, that's, it's something that's just really a core value for me. It's always been with me ever since I was in school. If something I see isn't right or doesn't sit right with me, then I have to say something. Even even during the lockdown, a few of my friends have been breaking lockdown and I've been the first person to call them out because it's for the good of everyone. Stop being selfish. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, because like I'm very similar, you know, when I was at mm-hmm. work, I when I would, was dancing and I would be in the dressing room, I would always be like, well, this, this isn't right and what... I'm someone has to do something about it. Yeah. That's me right there. Yeah, like, yeah. it. <laughs> so where do you think that comes from? Like, is that just something that we just like wake up with one day or, or, or have we been conditioned? Like for me, I, I don't honestly know where it comes from. Do you have any idea of why you are? I'm, you are? I'm not so sure. I, I've been doing a lot of kind of like introspective work since uh, lockdown as well. I've been thinking a lot about myself, like, where my personality comes from and as a kid I guess I had to compete a lot for attention with my brother because he's yeah. he's autistic so I've always been very like me you know look at me you know? <laughs> yeah. so but then I guess the righteousness I don't know where that comes from it's always been there even when I was like a nerdy kid and I played video games I always pick like the goody side yeah. It's always just been in me. I, it's not, I'm not saying that I don't break laws because laws are definitely not a guide for morality, but I definitely have a very strong moral compass. And I guess it comes maybe from the experiences we've had. Perhaps we've suffered injustices. Yeah. You know, I feel yeah. like that's the only place I could bring it from consciously. Yeah. And maybe it's like a combination of being very like, hello, I'm here and mixed with the the experiences we've had because there's plenty of sex workers who yeah. are like, I'm fine over here keeping my head. hundred percent. I know plenty fine. of introverted sex yeah. workers. Yeah. I'm yeah. not introverted at all. I'm like. Me neither. Oh. I can't help myself. I yeah. just exist. I'm there. I happen at you. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> do you consider yourself a stripper and or a sex worker? I consider myself a sex worker. I guess I've done so many roles within sex work. Stripping was actually my first sex work job. Mm-hmm. The second I turned 18, I was like, strip club, there's money. I can make money there. Like, oh loads of money. God. I love money. Yeah. Yeah. Straight yeah. away. And like, I, in my own way, I thought I was working for myself. Obviously, now I realized the exploitation that goes on in clubs is insane. But uh, yeah, it was yeah. pure freedom for me. So yeah, straight away, I went to stripping and now I've I consider myself just a broad sex worker. A broad sex worker. Got it. Mm-hmm. So, oh my God, I have so many questions for you. <laughs> um, you, I want to talk about what happens, how your deal is on social media. You, right. I mean, I know your story because, you know, I'm one of the leaders of Everybody Visible and we've done work together, which is incredible. Love it. Yeah. But let's, before we get into like what, you the amazing work you did in London that one day. Let's talk about what the break keeps happening to your social media accounts. You can't <laughs> delete it. How many times has your account been deleted now? My original Instagram at Cats and Crows has been deleted seven times. It was reinstated six times, which was crazy. Um, but it followed such a distinctive weird pattern. It would go down for a few weeks, come back 
and then disappear again for about half a day and come back and it happened like three times and I was like this is weird and it always happened at coincidental times directly after the protest directly after I'd posted a video that yeah. exposed something um so yeah that's one of the crazy things that's been going on with my personal account obviously the problem is much much wider than that. yeah how many followers did you have when your the first time your account was like I've it was one of my greatest achievements and although now I feel like I'm free from my account because it was so high yeah um, I was really proud I got it all the way to 725,000 followers I think it is max dude that's incredible I, I could have hit a mill if, it, if I'd carried on I was yeah in for that's mm. incredible so did you feel like because you kind of made a comment so I'm wondering now did you feel sort of like uh, a huge responsibility to such a large account so much uh not so much in the way that I had a responsibility to be a certain way but I felt like I had to post every day to keep my engagement up obviously totally. my account was heavily shitted and um so it was just stress you know every post had to be as good as the last one and I had to post every day and now I don't sometimes I don't post for days and I, my mental health is so that's much better really that's so good to know and good to hear mm -hmm. for people to hear because there's this like this strive to be insta famous yeah. right but then like you said your mental health like can you talk a little bit about why that would kind of mess with your mental health uh i linked in my productivity with my mental health um so even if i was having a bad mental health day i would make myself make a video about that and um whilst it was kind of cathartic in a way it, it for me, I was using it as a bit of a crutch. Mm. I used people's like sympathies as a way to soothe my pain rather than face uh, any problem that I had in my head. So like that huge amount of followers for me was literally like my safety blanket that I would surround myself with rather than deal with my problems. Mm. Um, so I guess striving for that on social media is what people want. They want the love and affection um, mm. to kind of cover up the problems and soothe their pain, which is totally understandable. Yeah. But it's a it's pure distraction. It's a pure dopamine hit, hit, hit. Um, you're sat there not thinking. You're not using your mind in the way that we used to before social media. So yeah, um, that's the way I think social media damages people. Did you notice that before losing your account or after? Like, did you I began to realize. I think when it started going wrong, and I started really thinking about my relationship with it, because when I didn't have it, it would be sometimes weeks at a time, and I would notice that I would get karma, I suppose, or at least when my <laughs> aggro with Insta started and I started caring less about maintaining my account and more about revealing the truth, I felt more free. I was like, I can just post a screenshot of my Twitter account. It's going to get no likes, but I don't give a fuck because at least I'll be doing something progressive rather than just chasing likes. Right. Wow. That's, I think it's really yeah. important for people to hear because we all want a million followers, mm -hmm. right? It would be cool. Like it would be really, really cool. And it's great for business too. Like you can't lie. It's a huge business tool. Totally. Totally. Um, so, so this all happened then, mm -hmm. you know, everybody visible happened. The, the work that we did is, um, basically, and I'm just going to let the audience know, and I know you know this, um, everybody visible was an activism campaign to protest the discrimination of social media executives towards anyone that's different lgbtq people of color yeah. uh, sex workers uh, the big beautiful women 
community. Um, Those communities, fetish communities, artists. Thank you. Thank you for artists. Yeah, Yeah, so many. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so many people. Anyone who's different, basically. Um, And we protested on October 29th of 2019. Doesn't it feel like much longer ago that happened? Is it really that recent? So much has happened, though. So much has happened. Totally. So... Everybody visible October 29th. We protest. Mm. We tag yeah. all these executives on Instagram, um, and to make the point and to tell all of these stories. And you were one of those stories that we ended up featuring and telling. Um, yeah. But but you took things one step further. You mm-hmm. can. You, why don't you just tell the story? What did you do <laughs> recently in London with a group of people and a megaphone? Well, I, it's happened twice now. I guess first after my account was deleted in May 2019, I held the first protest um, in London outside of Instagram's headquarters. It was definitely the Instagram headquarters. I made and checked everything beforehand. I, I did loads of kind of edging on creepy investigating work, but I wanted to make sure it was right. And I really, really wanted basically just to have a meeting with Instagram. I believe truly that they sincerely didn't understand a cause. It was just a miscommunication. And if we opened up a line of communication, then we could fix all the problems. So we turn up, we request a meeting. It's a friendly protest. It's got hella sex workers. Everyone's running around in their pleasers. And it's it's nice weather. So everyone's wearing harnesses and paces. And everyone looks great. And there's glitter and yeah. cake and sandwiches. And it's kind of like a party outside of the Instagram page too. And I got a megaphone. We're chanting. We're getting all the public involved. It's wild. Mm-hmm. And um, instead of any kind of acknowledgement or even a human humanity show of humanity they hire extra security they blockade the building doors they stop any of their own staff coming in and out of the building they stop us coming in and out of the building they just point blank kind of refuse to acknowledge our existence which is obviously a repetitive pattern in sex work history uh people try and pretend that we don't exist so i held another protest outside of the headquarters again yeah This time it was in the winter. Unfortunately, it wasn't as well attended because it was raining. Um, But we managed to get inside the office this time um, with the help of my union, which is the United Strippers of the World, I believe. I think they're only UK-based right now. Yes, yes. But we we managed to get inside. We did some great press and stuff, which led me up to my fundraiser campaign to raise money to actually take Instagram as a company to court. Unfortunately, that's on hold right now because of all the COVID-19 stuff. But that's pretty okay. much where the story's up to. Did you begin, like, did the fundraising part start? It did. It did just as um, lockdown, I think, began. So loads of people lost their jobs. And also the sex workers obviously couldn't work because of social distancing and a ton of hardship funds were started yeah. due to the lack of funding and help from the governments. And I didn't want to be taking money that would be, people would be choosing to either give to that fund or my fund. I couldn't possibly live with the decision, you know, it's saving people's lives. Yeah. Okay. So when that kicks back in, um, Mm. let me know. I 100% will. I'm going to get in touch with everybody. Uh, I think a lot of people will be more in line with our cause then because let's face it, during lockdown, everybody started at OnlyFans, right? And everyone will now experience the discrimination from trying to advertise their OnlyFans on Instagram. I think it's going to be much more wider publicized by the time yeah. I've done some. Yeah, I mean, there definitely is a silver lining to this bullshit. 
And that is, and that's kind of what I was talking about in the beginning. It's like, you've seen like the blatant discrimination and disregard for our work. I would like to use an example of the young woman who got fired um, from a Honda dealership recently because she she started an OnlyFans account and her coworkers were watching her probably having sex or doing something sexual on her OnlyFans account at work. And then that, and she got fired because they were watching. First of all, you shouldn't be watching any sex shit at work. Any at work, the consumer adult products at work. You don't drink at work. Not at work. Right. And especially not of your coworker. No, that's also creepy. It's creepy. It's weird. It's rude. And then she yeah. got fired. And so that, um, that story went really viral for about 24 hours. Um, and then a bunch of people made Yelp reviews. I made a Yelp review. I, and so the, the car dealerships like in Indiana or some shit like that. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I've never been there, and you're like, but I'm like, I will I'm never get it. this dealership. <laughs> Good. I mean, that's our weapons right now. Why not? They're weaponizing the internet against us, so we'll weaponize it right back against you in yeah, any way we can. Totally. But what in it, what I started to what I saw too, and like the tweets and stuff, is like people who I didn't seem like they're they're not sex workers. Like a lot of mm-hmm. white men actually are like, what? Like, you know, and they're right. the ones. That, I've said this before. White men are the ones that really need their minds changed the most. A hundred percent. To win this battle because yeah. they're leading the charge against us. Yeah. And they like, assume sex worker uh, services and products more than anybody else. It's the bizarrest paradox. There's no other adult industry where the consumers are also campaigning for the shutdown. Not in gambling, not in drinking, not in drugs. It, sex work is the only place where people consume and also campaign for the censorship law. Yeah, no, you're right. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah, right? right. Yeah. 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 No one's like, we should stop gambling forever. Gambling And is then they're bad. gambling. Yeah, yeah. right. They're like, oh, that's fine. Do Yeah. Right? I think it's fine if you want to gamble. I don't see what the problem is. I don't that. see the problem. You can do right. an adult thing. You can risk your life, risk your money, risk your whatever you want. It's your choice. It's your freedom, right? Right, right. So, okay. So to circle back, so this is becoming very apparent. And so maybe, yeah, hopefully, maybe. And that's why I was like, are you going to stay in solidarity with us? Because our problems aren't going away. They just- No way. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Have you seen, have you seen much like whorephobia, especially from people that are now entering the sex work industry? Cause I, I, I thought I would see more, but it's, people have been surprisingly I, open-minded about it. Yeah. I, I've seen more too. And I wonder if it's because, and this is what I slightly wonder and worry about if they're mm. like, well, you got to do what you got to do right now, you know? And mm. so if they, when things go back to normal, Will it be like, well, I mean, like, there's job opportunities now. Like, what are, why are you still doing that? Like, will mm-hmm. that happen? So they're not viewing it as actual genuine employment. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Like, how many times have you been at a place or at work and somebody says to you, you're too, why are you here? You're too oh, good. What's, what's your real job? What's your day job or something? Yeah. They're like, oh, what else do you do? I'm like, this is my job. <laughs> yeah I bought my house with this job is that okay like yeah yeah see my taxes like it's wild it's really bizarre how people still love you as real employment 
Yeah. And I don't know. And I, and so I was on this conference call with these uh, sex worker advocates the other day, and there was a woman on there who has been doing this work for like decades, right? Decades. And I'm looking at her going, yes, bitch, you are my future. <laughs> I will be you. Wrinkly and old. <laughs> Love. That's what I want from my life. I just want to be free. Yeah, but still doing this work, and it's like, how yes. long, how much longer do we have to do this before you get it? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, literally, they've been, well, they've been campaigning this forever, right? And it's, it's, so, uh, it's so upsetting to see setbacks like the explicit notice in the U.S. financial aid, COVID aid, sex workers are just written out of it. It's, yeah. It's so blatant. Stuff like that really upsets me. Yeah. So, have people been reacting to it in the States? Because in, in the UK, we've been talking about it, but I guess our influence doesn't really influence Not much. enough. And that's been a slight irritant for me um, mm. because I'm very like, move, 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 like all the time. Uh, me too. And I understand. And so like, I, I, I'm so glad you asked me this question because I just, at first I was like, oh, we need to do everything we can. Like we need to get all the sex worker organizations together and we need to write a letter and we need to sue the administration. We need to sue everything. Yeah. Um, and, and, but, and then my partner was like, there are people though that have been doing this for a very long time and know what they're mm -hmm. doing. And then I slowly realized, I'm like, man, like I've never done sex worker advocacy before. Like this is really my first time in like the last Same. year and a half. And so then I, I can't just show up to the show and start stomping around, and throwing my weight around. So I kind of went like this. Oh, I just, I just need to learn actually <laughs> learn. And I need I to feel the same way. Yeah. And I just need yeah. to ask other organizations, how can I be of service to you? Yeah. Mm. You know, so that's what I, I like had this aha moment yesterday right. on the sex worker advocacy call with rad mission who they are very rad and they are awesome. And yeah. So have you, do you, have you heard of them? No, I haven't, but I love the name. Yeah. Yeah. Look them Tell up. About them. Great. Um, well, I just learned about them, so I don't know too much yet, but I do know right. that they, they, they're working with other groups and they're, um, you know, they're, they're working on the legal stuff that we're dealing with, um, just in a different way. I'm like ready mm. to like blow my load and scream at everybody, but they're being a lot more methodical and strategic about things. Uh huh. So, yeah. So I say all that to say, um, we have a lot of work to do and a lot of learning to do. <laughs> we do. Even yeah. I, I'm the same. My advocacy or activism, I suppose, uh, it's more appropriate. It's only been since my Instagram got deactivated. I've always been like a rebellious person standing up for shit, but like standing for something as a cause, as part of a cause, rather yeah. than being the face of something is, yeah. is new to me. Yeah. yeah. I sometimes I need to learn that I don't need to be the loudest voice in the room. Yeah, and that takes so much practice, doesn't it, for people like yeah. us? Oh my yes. god! I'm just I'm the first person to be like, ah, ah. <laughs> but it's not right. It's 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 not always right. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, sure. something that I find extremely fascinating about you is the way you perform. Um, oh really? Oh yeah, you're like Spitfire. You oh, yeah yeah literally dance with fire. I think you do <laughs> fire, right? I do everything with fire. Anything you think about with fire, I can do probably do it. Why fire? <laughs> Tell us all about like what the deal is with your fire, how you got into it, why you like it. What? Tell us everything. Fire was an opportunity for me to not get a real job. Um, by real job, I mean corporate job. 
um i deliberately began performing and got my extremities tattooed so that i couldn't get like a corporate job when i was 18. um so fire was never like an artistic pursuit for me it has become that in my journey i've been doing it now for like 10 years uh which is crazy because um there's there's some amazing fire performers that have been doing it for much less time than me and they're much better than me but for me it's just it's the best way for me to express my personality i think on stage mm. um and i i'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie too uh, i definitely got an addictive personality i thrive on risk and um <laughs> dumb doing dumb shit i've been doing dumb shit since i was a kid i used to copy jackass it was my favorite show oh amazing do you have any yeah huh do you have any footage of you doing that <laughs> I might do. I have videos of me standing in puddles and throwing myself off things, uh, running into walls. It's dumb. It's dumb. But I've always been a bit of a like, a, like I said, attention person. Like, hi. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. You crowd yeah, surf, yeah. right? I love crowd surfing. I love moshing. I'm a real alternative girl. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's... I've had my fair share of injuries. I oh, knocked yeah. myself out on stage one time. I have a photo. You knocked um, yourself out? How did that happen? Yeah. So I was doing my Harlequin burlesque. And obviously Harlequin has a baseball bat. And I was super tired. I was day three of a stint of shows on while I was on tour in the States. And I swing it around my head, being like, wait. But I didn't quite lift my arm up high enough. So I go around once. I go around twice. And crap. Oh. Like, my vision goes blurry. And I get this cartoon golf ball size lump on my head. I have a photo. Like, I didn't believe that really happened, but it, it does, apparently. Yeah, it does. Yeah. 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 Stars? I kind of I kind of just saw a blurry vision, and then I just don't mm -hmm. remember the rest of the show. But I did finish the show. I you hosted did. the show as well. Like, I was talking. Oh, shit. Yeah, I don't know how. Did, you, did anybody say that you were acting different or weird? Or I, I only noticed that people kept coming and like sitting with me in my corner of the dressing room. And I must have been chatting some real bullshit because I don't remember anything. And just uh, every member of the cast kept coming and sitting with me in between their numbers and just being like, just go and sit there with Rebecca and make yeah. sure she's okay. And then yeah. get her on stage when she needs to be on stage and then take her off again. And they looked after me. They're an awesome family. This is my um, suicide girl family. The, oh, uh, nice. Yeah. And they're the kindest, kindest human beings in the world. Yeah. It was great. So I was fine. great. I love yeah. hearing that they're so kind because there's a misconception mm. that in that, in the type of world that we operate in, there's a lot yeah. of competitive, competitiveness and cattiness. Um, and it's so nice to hear that it's like being a part of a family yeah so much i think that's the main thing that i think women especially latch on to for anti-sex work because they believe that it's a, a negative environment for women to exist in uh, and it's really not it's so supportive it's so supportive i truly believe that and i've had these conversations with my mom that i've become a better stronger person through the work that i've been doing for most of my adult life um, yeah, and I've learned so much about real life through being in the clubs and like applying it. No, let me re-say that. I've learned so much in the club and have been able to apply that to real life and then like yeah. succeed and thrive in real life due to the shit that I learned in the club. A hundred percent. So yeah. many skills. Like every sex worker I know has a multi multitude, like a plethora of skills. Yeah. They're just randomly required through sex work through some way. And like some really like, 
fundamental skills as well that people don't particularly practice nowadays like conversational and hustle and stuff like that like people spend yeah. a lot of time on their phones nowadays but I, I like to think I've still got quite good conversational skills because I literally oh, taught myself for yeah. to learn in a club you know yeah we have so many hours of practice talking to people and coming up you, yeah. know, you know how people are like oh you know how you like you say something or like you think about it later and you're like, damn, I wish I would have said that. And I'm like, that really happens to me now. I said it. Like I said it right at the time. I, I'm always right. Yeah. I, I listen to every often. Yeah. So many times I'd be like, fuck, I should have said that thing. Fuck. I should have said that thing. So many yeah. times in the club. And now I'm like, I said that thing. Right. I've got right. a script. Yeah. When the timing was right. Yeah. It's great. It's great. It's powerful, dude. It's good. Yeah. So yeah. got to use our words. What's your dating like life like? Because mine is really hard being out loud about really? how I am. Yeah. I think uh, I've always tried to date other outlandish people, mm. which is never, it's never worked out. I'm single right now. <laughs> uh, I broke up with my boyfriend just before lockdown. It was a short-term thing, and I just also come out of an abusive relationship before that. So, like, it was wild. My dating life has been wild. I think through my I don't know personality just who I am I attract the kind of people that either want something from me or are as crazy as me but Mm there a lot of men I think especially white men who Mm -hmm. I've tended to date haven't dealt with their shit you know in the same way that women have so my dating life has been pretty wild (laughs) that's the only way to describe it yeah that's how mine was for a long time yeah and I was like enough because yeah I'm done with it now yeah, like I had to date like bouncers and strip club managers because mm-hmm. they get it. They get me. Slash, right. they still, there's issues. And then, yeah, like, they're still part of the patriarchal kind of systems of oppression. Yeah. And then forget yeah. about trying to date a normal guy because he can't take me home to his mom because if no. he's on Instagram account, I'm licking my titties. <laughs> I don't think I ever even dated. I didn't even try to date a normal guy. I dated like musicians, tattoo artists, nice. pro wrestlers. Oh, get them all so away from sexy. me. Sexy. Oh, get them all away. I know <laughs> it's so sexy, but they're it's yeah. so much. I know I've done. I've done that ego. That. that ego game is strong. I know. <laughs> I know. So yeah. So it is. It is the same. It is wild, and it is. Good. I'm glad it's not just me. I feel less alone. God, no, no. I, I don't. I don't know how. I feel for people, and I know that there are sex workers that have amazing partners. I know. Yeah, hundred percent. So it's like, well, how do I figure that out? You know. <laughs> Yeah. So it's literally like, it's something that I had to turn into like a, like a part-time side job. Yeah. It's definitely something I've been working on. It takes active work to figure out your life. Like it's, I guess it's part of being a sex worker is you have, you have to figure out how it fits into all areas of your life, like your family, your, your job. If you have kids and stuff, you have to have those conversations. Like it's an extra layer of stuff that you got to do in life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And how do you explain to somebody who has never met somebody like us that, you know, and that's, that's what I wrestle with. And I'm like, either they have to get it right away from now on. Yeah. 
you and so when I'm so I don't know about you, but when I'm on like these dating apps now, I'm on Hinge now. <laughs> I never use them. I always get catfished, so I've never used. I really them. like <laughs> Hinge. Hinge has seemed to work out so far. I'll give you guys an update later on that. All right. Um, All right. Yeah, but I'm like I would. I'll do things like. Like I posted my Instagram account on there so that they could see everything right away. I posted like a picture of me smoking two joints at once. I post, <laughs> you know, like I love I, that. I'd yeah. go for that. <laughs> I posted a, a picture of me standing like with my pole, and I'm very much like, like up front, like this you is have to who be. I am, what I am, and I'll say like I'll ask questions and text message, and if I get an answer yeah. I like, then I'll continue. But it's like kind of a test. Yeah, 100%. I'm a, I'm a real boundary pusher as a person anyway. Yeah. Um, I think just because my big personality, I have to figure out quite quickly where people's boundaries are. And it's always the same with my job. And I feel like it's, uh, it's a good opportunity to have conversations with people if they, if they don't agree with you either. I quite like, I quite like having a debate with someone. Yeah. So, okay. I'll tell, I'll, I'll tell you one. If you tell me one, do you have one that okay. you remember? Okay. Oh my God. No, probably not. No, you tell me one okay, I'll tell you one really quick. Yeah. You know, so, I'm so like, I read between the lines, red flag, red mm. flag, red flag, where other people might not see them. I do. I'm a bit obsessive. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'm like, uh, you know, I mentioned like, oh yeah, in my line of work, it's, it's kind of hard to date. And he's like, well, I can see that. I can understand that because like, you know, I'm not a jealous person, but my ex-girlfriend was a stripper and like that work like brought out like can bring out the worst in people like jealousy and all this other mm. stuff and I was, and like wrote this whole long paragraph about how the work itself it's not the person it's the work and I'm like Ooh. yeah and it was a really long paragraph and my response was yikes <laughs> yikes yeah correct yikes it's, it's scary when people put that much thought into it especially it's kind of like a mansplaining but also a put down at the same time yeah. And I was like, yeah. And I dated someone for seven years and we didn't have issues because of my sex work. We had issues. Really? Reasons. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so yeah, that was, that was my one story about one that. of my exes had a small issue. Like they, I, they always pretend to be okay with it in the beginning, but I would come home from like photo shoots, like a, just a photo shoot. And he'd be like, did you get your boobs out? And I'd be like, y y yes, it's my job. It was, yeah. it was just so bizarre how people, they, they slide it in later on. Well, what do they think that your boobs belong to only them? That they're yeah, just because hard. you're in a relationship now, right? It's your body, it's your choice. Yours. I think a lot of girls still struggle with that. It's really sad. I have a lot of people talk to me about it, especially in like person and stuff. Yeah, it's tough. Talk to you about what? Can you elaborate on that? Like their boyfriends or trying to um, date while being a sex worker. Like people just seem to. They a lot of women in the UK seem to be okay with the culture sex work culture they're very activist with it but when it comes to interacting on a personal level with sex sure. worker, they still don't see them on the same kind of light level as other humans so what suggestion would you give to a sex worker who's experiencing like sort of slut shaming by a partner about their work like what what, what would you advise if they asked you i think the problem is people, the, the problem people have with sex workers, any kind of misconception, and it, that's what it is, it's a misconception, um, can be corrected purely by interacting with sex workers as human beings. So if you're 
partner perhaps has a problem with their sex work, maybe introduce them to other sex workers, um, other sex workers who interact with other people on a human level, because people get this idea in their head that they're the sex crazed demon that's going to steal your morality and your children and something, I don't know. But actually we're just like actual human beings with like real lives as well. So yeah. if you start as human beings, then you'll stop, I think, quite quickly having that stigma. Yeah. Totally. Hmm. Um, well, and lastly, I want to, the last thing I want to ask you about is you mentioned um, exploitation in the strip clubs and whatnot mm. over in the UK. You know, I don't know nearly as much about what's going on in the UK clubs. I know a little bit from talking to Ivy from United. Um, yeah. United. Shit. We got to get She's United Strippers of the World. United Strippers of the World. Thank She's you. in my union. My episode with her comes out right now, actually, today. Oh, exciting. Very yeah. Exciting. She's great send that link yeah um what's going on can you give us like a quick rundown of like what's really going on in the uk club? so the uk club model is based um i don't know how it is in the u.s but i guess you have a, a really heavily heavily explosive system where the club owners basically profit off the dancers as well as the bar as well as the entrance fee yes. so they charge you a house fee you pay to work they sometimes take commission um they can fine you for your dress. They can fine you for your behavior. They can fine you for fucking anything, um, for not turning up for a shift, etc. So it's heavily explosive. They control everything about your shifts, your hours, your dress, um, literally how long until you can interact with the customer, how many drinks your customers have to buy. Um, they control everything about you, but they class you as a self-employed worker, which means they don't have to provide any benefits for you. Um, they don't have to basically support you in any way. So in the UK, this has been going on pretty much as the model of strip clubs since strip clubs have originated. Uh, but this year, a member of our union took a strip club in London to court and won worker status, um, or the club ruled that this club was, what it was asking of its employees, its girls, was on level with worker status. So therefore they deserved the same benefits as being a worker. So the ruling was that they were workers. So okay, now we're right. That's huge. which is fucking awesome. But yeah. there's a lot of misconceptions about what that means. Okay. Um, there's obviously a lot of strip clubs across the UK. We're not all unionized at the moment. It's it's it was a lot very soon, and a lot of misinformation has been spread through clubs that it's a negative that it's trying to take power away from the dancers. It's a similar thing to what's going on in California. Yeah. Okay, everyone's read the fear stories about that. Mm -hmm. So people at the moment are bit in uprising especially with the fact that the clubs are all now shut down everyone's lost their incomes everyone's freaking out um so that's kind of what's going on right now we're just trying to like nothing has actually changed nothing will change mm. but that legal ruling has opened the door for a lot more people to take their clubs to court and for unions to demand more and better conditions for workers as we've been ruled from clubs okay well yeah. The wheels are in motion, it sounds like. That's right, it is. Um, it's just, it's just we got we to gotta join up, guys. Come on, we got to be yeah. on the same team. <laughs> yeah, we have to glom together. Team, we all want the same thing. It's yeah. just all the big, people are turning us against each other, and it's usually the club bosses, so. Yeah, yeah. well, again, it's a good thing that strippers are becoming cameras now, because yes. they understand the play that's why I love people coming over to being online sex workers. So many people are joining right now and I'm like, welcome. Welcome to being free from the patriarchy. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. great.
Want to be fabulous just like these strippers? Pay attention. It's Stripper Tips. Yo, this is so much fun. I, <laughs> I want to move on to Stripper Tips. I want to know okay. what your Stripper Tip is. I think because I was so shit at it for so many years, I was really bad at remembering people's names. And I think being personable is your number one thing that really makes you stick in people's minds. So always remember people's names and always remember little facts about people. That is my stripper tip, whether it's online, in person, or anything like that, because it makes them feel special. And if you, yeah. I, I'm always like, when I have a conversation with someone now, I'll say their name when I meet them, and I'll repeat their name several times through the conversation. Just stuff like that. I okay. Think that's, that's do you like do my anything in your tip. head? Do you do like, do you do he, like your own mind exercises too? I really, I really suck at that. I suck okay. at any, because I have an ADHD brain. It just kind of goes, oh, shiny, mm-hmm. shiny. Gotcha. So as long as I repeat their name several times in the following conversation, mm-hmm. uh, that was a tip given to me. So make sure you just say their name, literally almost to the point where it's laughable. Just be like, oh yeah, hey, Anne, that's, nice, that's, that's, that's a nice opinion, Anne. Like, oh, thanks for that. Like, um, and it will stick in your head eventually, even if you sound yeah. a bit crazy. But it, hey, it might sound, yeah. It might sound, crazy. I've considered yeah. doing it. I know that that is a thing. I've considered yeah. doing it. But it's like, yeah, you start to sound a little like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then they might remember you for being crazy. So yeah. 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 I, people never forget me. That's always my win because I look crazy. And I well, crazy. you yeah. are one of a kind, my friend. <gasps> oh, thank you so much. Very memorable. Yes. Get ready for our rapid fire question round. It's time for four for one. All right, guys, it's Rebecca's four for one time. All right. What is the craziest thing that ever happened to you on a date? Um, I, the crazy thing that happened to me on a date was I fell into some roadworks. I accidentally leaned against it and it wasn't very stable and I fell down into the ground six feet. Feet into the ground? Yeah. Oh my God. Outside a club and then they wouldn't let me in for some reason. Do they think you're, maybe they thought you were drunk or something? Or I, I know why. They That's a liability like, thing. They're like, no, if she <laughs> injured later, then she could blame it on the club. Yeah. This bitch is crazy. She's not trustworthy. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. <laughs> All right. Next one. How do you sleep at night? I don't. I fucking don't. I sleep as my nemesis. Really? Mm-hmm. I have real bad insomnia, night terrors, night paralysis. I was in an accident at nighttime when I was younger, so it's gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Interesting. Mm. Have you ever told someone that their face looked comfortable enough to sit on? <laughs> Definitely in a strip club. I've yeah. said all the lines. All the lines. <laughs> what about outside the strip club? Just in, like, normal civilian life? <laughs> No, I have, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm quite a small person. I'm like 110 pounds, like five foot two. Um, but I just, I, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of face sitting. I'm just worried I'm going to suffocate it somewhat. Well, <laughs> you know, you just, there's a key to it. You just don't release oh, right. your weight down and you know what I mean? There's the whole I'm very, process. I'm very clumsy. I can't, <laughs> I can't even begin to tell you, honestly. All right. Next, last question. If you had to leave everything behind and hit the road in an apocalypse type situation, what three items would you pack? I would pack my cat, my naked Sphinx cat, who is my baby, my love and joy. Yeah. I would pack, uh, I'm looking at it right now, my sword. I think that'd be quite good. Enough. Oh, fuck yeah. Right? Fuck yeah, yeah. yeah. What else? And What's then I'd pack thing? my rolling box so that I can have a J on the road. Fuck, Just, it yeah. rolls up really, com- it's so convenient. It's like, yeah. 
That is the yeah. ultimate kit right there. I'm super jealous of <laughs> One of my answers would have been tampons because yeah. get messy. Bitch, let it out. It's your apocalypse. I mean, unless it attracts it is the zombies or whatever. It's a lot. It gets real messy, though. Yeah, yeah, it might. You might be able to use it and yeah. recognize it against men. I don't know. <laughs> Oh my God, this has been such a pleasure. You're so, I knew you were going to be fun. I knew I've it. had a great time. I've had Good. a really fun time. It's nice being on the other side. Yeah. Can you yeah. tell everyone where to find you and how to learn more about you? Yes. So you can find me everywhere on the internet, OnlyFans, Twitter, probably everywhere else, except for Instagram, at Cats and Crows, K-A-T-S-A-N-D-C-R-O-W-S. Instagram is now Riots and Crows, R-I-O-T-S-A-N-D-C-R-O-W-S. Um, you can find my podcast anywhere that you find your podcast. It's Crowversation, like conversation, but Got it. conversation. Yeah. That's really and cute. then, or if you want to find me on Suicide Girls, my name is Catherine with a K. Cat. Love it. Perfect. Lots of places to find you. Love all it. over the place. All, all of me, all over the place. Yeah. Awesome. Is there anything you yeah. want to, is there any message that you want to send to sex workers around the world right now, considering the state of affairs? I mean, I think just try and promote the hardship funds as much as possible. Remember that it's, it's tough for us, but it's super tough for people whose jobs are criminal, criminalized, or at least not fully legal, and they can't get, like, any kind of aid from anywhere. Um, so, yeah, just try and, like, promote and support everyone right now. It's hard for everyone. So let's at least try and come out of it as a more tight-knit community. Yeah. United. Yeah. Awesome. Friends. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today and having Thank this you. conversation. You're so welcome. That's a wrap for today's show. You guys, as always, tune in every Wednesday to watch me talk to amazing strippers and sex workers around the world. See you next time. Hey guys, I just want to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Instagram at yes, a stripper podcast. You can also watch this podcast on YouTube at Yes, a Stripper Podcast. And of course, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Yes, a Stripper Pod. Yes, a Stripper Podcast is produced by Mackenzie Mazel, Shelly Snyder, and yours truly, A.M. Davies. Be sure to email any questions or comments to Yes, a Stripper Podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow me personally, you can find me on Instagram at the queen of sexy. You can also check me out on my website, thequeenofsexy.com. As you probably know, many businesses are struggling right now. As a listener of this show, it would be awesome if you would support this company. This episode is brought to you by Yo Massage. Now more than ever, providing safe, mindful touch to our loved ones and receiving safe, mindful touch are so important. In the Mindful Touch at Home by Yo Massage course, you will learn from Dr. Tiffany Ryan about the importance of safe, healthy touch and its impact on our physical, mental, and emotional well-being. The course covers the challenges of social distancing, the impacts of touch deprivation, the benefits of safe touch, and its ability to relieve stress and anxiety. You will also learn about communication, consent when touching, and about the type of touch to give, where, when, and how to give it. Learn more about the Mindful Touch at Home course by visiting yomassage.com forward slash mindful.